0: listening to the mystical city of god in a year podcast i'm father edward looney and throughout the year i'm reading and reflecting on this four volume over 2500 page work by the venerable maria of agreda if you would like to discuss today's reading you can do so over on facebook at the Mystical city of god in a year podcast page let us now thank god for the life of venerable maria of agreda All good and holy God, we thank you for the life of your servant Maria of Agurda. May we follow her holy example and shun the allurements of the world and abandon ourselves to your perfect will. Like her, may we enter into the quiet of heartfelt prayer and find your presence deep in the silence of our souls. Through the intercession of the Blessed Virgin Mary, the Immaculate Conception, may we pursue with deepest longing a profound purity of heart, mind, and body. By the prayerful help of Venerable Maria Valgrada, may we become holy and radiate the light and life of Christ to all we meet. Amen. Today is day number 109, and we are reading from Volume 2, Chapter 13, Paragraphs 158-168. to 168. Chapter 13 an explanation of the state in which Most Holy Mary found herself after the incarnation of the Divine Word in her virginal womb. 158. The deeper I begin to understand the divine effects and conditions which were caused by the conception of the Eternal Word in the Queen of Heaven, the more am I involved in the difficulties of describing this event. For I find myself immersed in exalted and complicated mysteries, while my intellect and my power of expression are entirely insufficient for encompassing what is presented to me. Nevertheless, my soul experiences such great sweetness and such delight, in spite of this deficiency, that I cannot bring myself to repent entirely of my undertaking. At the same time, obedience animates me, and also compels me to overcome the hardships which, in a weak and womanly mind, would be insuperable if the assurance and encouragement coming from this source would not assist me. This is true especially of this chapter, in which I am to treat of the gifts of the glory enjoyed by the blessed in heaven. Taking their prerogatives as models, I will try to describe the state of the heavenly Empress Mary after becoming the mother of God. 159. For this purpose I will speak of the blessed from two points of view— of their own perfection, and of their relation to God. As regards the latter, the divinity is made clear and manifest to them with all its perfections and attributes. This is called the object of their beatitude, their glory, the substantial joy, the ultimate end, wherein the whole creature finds its adequate end and rest. On the part of the saints, there are the beatific operations of vision and love and of others necessarily connected with the most happy state, which neither the eyes have seen nor ears have heard, nor can enter into the thoughts of men. Isaiah sixty four four one 1 Corinthians 2.29 Among the gifts and prerogatives of this glory of the saints, some are called endowments, freely given as to a spouse, entering upon the spiritual matrimony, which is consummated in the joys of the eternal felicity. Just as the earthly spouse acquires possession and dominion of her endowments and enjoys in common with her husband the use of them, so also in glory these gifts are made to the saints as their own, while their use is common both to them, in as far as they themselves rejoice in them, and to God, in as far as he is glorified in them by the saints. And these ineffable gifts are more or less excellent according to the merits and the dignities of each. But they are not given to those who are not of the same nature as the spouse, namely Christ our Lord. Hence, only to men, not to angels. For the Incarnate Word has not entered into any espousals with the angels. Hebrews 2.16 As he has done with men, by uniting himself with them in that great sacrament mentioned by the Apostle. Ephesians 5.32 in Christ, and in the church. Since, however, the bridegroom Christ, as man is composed of body and soul, just like the rest of men, therefore both body and soul are to be glorified in his presence, and the gifts of glory are both for the body and the soul. Three of these gifts pertain to the soul, and they are called vision, comprehension, and fruition, and four pertain to the body, clearness, impassibility, subtility and agility and these are properly the effects of the intuitive vision overflowing from the glory of the soul 160 in all these gifts our queen mary participated to a certain extent already in this life especially after the incarnation of the word in her virginal womb it is true that these gifts are given to the saints as comprehensors being pledges and dowries of the eternal and imperishable felicity, and, as it were, securities for the unchangeableness of their state. On that account, they are not conferred upon those still on the way to heaven. But upon Holy Mary, these gifts were conferred as a viator. Hence, not as on a comprehensor, not permanently from time to time and step by step, and with a certain difference, as we shall explain. In order that the appropriateness of this rare blessing the sovereign queen may be the better understood, let that which I have said in the seventh and following chapters before the Incarnation be remembered. For there the preparation and espousal with which the Most High favored his most blessed mother, in accordance with her dignity, are explained. On the day in which the Divine Lord assumed human nature in her virginal womb, This spiritual marriage, as far as the heavenly lady is concerned, was consummated by the most exalted and exquisite beatific vision, which, as we have said, was then vouchsafed to her. But for the other faithful, the incarnation was, as it were, an espousal, which is to be consummated in their heavenly fatherland. One sixty-one. Our great queen possessed another prerequisite for these privileges. She was exempt from all stain of original and actual sin, and was confirmed in grace by the actual impeccability. Thus, she was capable of celebrating this marriage in the name of the church militant, and to make promises in the name of all its members. Ephesians 5.32 For in this matter, as she was the mother of the Savior, his foreseen merits found their application through her. By her transient vision of the glory of the divinity, she became the accepted surety for all the children of Adam, that this same reward will not be denied to any of those who shall use the grace of their Redeemer to merit it. The divine incarnate Word certainly was highly pleased to find that his most burning love and his infinite merits should be immediately bear fruit in her, who at the same time was his mother, his first spouse, and the bridal chamber of his divinity, and that his rewards should fall upon, should fall upon one in whom there was no hindrance." By conferring these privileges and favors upon his most holy mother, Christ, our salvation, indulged and partly satiated his love for her and in her. For all the mortals too long a delay did it seem to the divine love to wait thirty-three years until he should manifest his divinity to his own mother. Although he had shown her this favor at other times as related in the first part, Numbers 382 and 429, Yet on this occasion of his incarnation, he did it in a more excellent manner, one which corresponded with the glory of his most holy soul. However, all this in her was not permanent, but renewed from moment to moment with the flow of time in as far as was compatible with the ordinary state of pilgrimage. 162. Conformably to this, God on the day in which Most Holy Mary assumed the position of Mother of the Eternal Word by conceiving Him in her womb, invested us with a right to our redemption, founded upon the espousal of the human nature with Himself, in the consummation of the spiritual marriage by the beatification of the Most Holy Mary, and the conferring upon her the gifts of glory, the same reward was also promised to us, if we should make ourselves worthy of it through the merits of his most holy Son, our Redeemer. But so far did the Lord raise his mother above all the glory of the saints and the blessings of this day, that all the angels and men, even in their highest reaches of beatific vision and love, cannot attain to that which the heavenly Queen then attained. The same must also be said of the gifts of glory, which overflowed from the soul to her body. For all of them corresponded with her innocence, holiness, and merits, and these again correspond with the highest of all dignities possible to a creature." that of being the mother of her creator. One sixty-three, Coming now to these gifts in particular, the first gift to her soul was the clear and beatific vision, which corresponds to the obscure knowledge of faith in the viators. This vision was given to the Most Holy Mary at the times and in the manner already explained and to be explained later. Besides these intuitive visions, she had many other abstractive ones of the divinity, of the kind mentioned above, Although all these were transient, yet they left in her mind most exquisite and various images, furnishing her with such a clear and exalted knowledge of the divinity that no words can be found to express it. In this Our Lady was singularly privileged before all other creatures, and thus she possessed the permanent effects of the gifts of glory, as far as compatible with her position as valued When at times the Lord hid himself from her, suspending the use of these images for certain high ends, she made use of infused faith, which in her was super-excellent and most efficacious. In such manner, one way or the other, her soul never lost sight of that divine object, nor wandered from it even for a moment. However, during the nine months in which she bore in her womb the incarnate Word, she enjoyed even greater visions." and the gifts of the divinity. One sixty-four, The second of these gifts is comprehension, possession, or apprehension. This consists in the attainment of the end corresponding to the virtue of hope, whereby we seek after the final object in order to possess it without danger of ever losing it. This possession and comprehension, most holy Mary, corresponded to the visions mentioned, Because seeing the divinity, she possessed it. Whenever she depended on faith alone, hope was in her more firm and secure than in any other creature. And more than this, for, as the security of possession in the creature is founded to a great extent upon sanctity and impeccability, our heavenly lady on this account was so privileged that the firmness and security of her possession of God. Although she was a pilgrim, equaled in certain respects the firmness and security of the blessed, for on account of her stainless and unimpeachable sanctity, she was assured of never losing God, although the cause of this security in her as Via Atrix was not the same as in the glorified saints. During the months of her pregnancy, she enjoyed this possession of God in various ways, by special and wonderful graces, through which the Mosai manifested himself and united himself to her most pure soul. One sixty-five. The third gift is fruition, which corresponds to charity, since charity does not cease but is perfected in glory. 1 Corinthians 13.8 For fruition consists in loving the highest good possessed by us. This is the charity of heaven, that just as God is known and possessed as he is in himself, so also he is loved for his own sake. True, even now, while we are yet viators, we love him for his own sake. But there is a great difference. Now we love him in desire, and we know him not as he is in himself, but as he is represented to us by incongruous images or by enigmas. 1 Corinthians thirteen twelve John 3, 2. Therefore our love is not perfected, nor do we rest in it, or find the plenitude of delight therein, though there is much to incite us. But in the clear vision and possession we shall see him as he is in himself, and we shall see him through himself, not through enigmas. Thus we shall love him as he should be loved, and as far as we can all love him respectively, our love will be perfected, and the fruition of him shall be satiated without leaving anything to be desired." 166. Most Holy Mary participated in this fruition more abundantly than in any other, for even though her most ardent love might in a certain respect have been inferior to that of the blessed, whenever she was without the clear vision of the divinity, yet it was superior in many other points of excellence, even while remaining in the lower state. No one ever possessed the divine science in the same degree as this lady, and by it she understood how God is to be loved, For himself, this science was perfected by the memory of what she had seen and enjoyed higher in degree than the angels, and as her love was nourished by this knowledge of God, it necessarily exceeded that of the blessed, in all that did not pertain to immediate fruition and unchangeableness, as to increase or augmentation. On account of her profound humility, the Lord condescended to an arrangement, whereby she could act as a viatrix remaining in a holy fear of displeasing her beloved. This burning love was of the most perfect kind and tended entirely toward God himself. It caused in her ineffable joy and delight proportioned to the excellence of her love. In regard to the gifts of the body, redounding from the gifts of glory, and the other gifts of the soul, constituting the accidental part of the glory of the blessed, I will say that they serve for the perfection of the glorious bodies and the activity of their senses and motive powers. By them, the bodies are assimilated to the soul and throw off the impediments of their earthly grossness, enabling them to obey the wishes of the souls, which in the most happy state cannot be imperfect or opposed to the will of God. The senses require two gifts, one to refine the reception of sensible images, and this is perfected by the gift of clearness. The other, to repel all activity or passivity, hurtful and destructive of the body. And this is done by the gift of impassibility. Two other gifts are required in order to perfect the power of motion. One, in order to overcome the resistance or impediment of gravity, furnished by the gift of agility. The other, in order to overcome the resistance of other bodies, furnished by the gift of subtlety. With these gifts, the body becomes glorious, clear, incorruptible, agile, and subtle. One sixty-eight. In all these privileges, our great queen and lady participated during her mortal life. The gift of clearness disposes the body to receive the light, and at the same time to give it forth, doing away with earthly opaqueness and obscurity, and making it more transparent than clearest crystal. Whenever Most Holy Mary enjoyed the clear and beatific vision, her virginal body participated in this privilege in a measure beyond all human calculation. The after-effects of this purity and clearness would have been most wonderful and astounding if they could have been made perceptible to the senses. Sometimes they were noticeable in her most beautiful face, as I will say later on, especially in the third part. Yet they were not known or perceived by all who conversed with her, For the Lord interposed a curtain or a veil, in order that they might not always or indiscriminately be manifested. But in many respects, she herself enjoyed the advantages of this gift, though it was disguised, suspended, or hidden to the gaze of others. She, for instance, was not inconvenienced by earthly opaqueness, as the rest of men. This concludes our reading today for day number 109 in which we read from chapter 13 of volume 2. And we read today paragraphs 158 to 168. A few times in our reading today, we heard the word viatrix, V-I-A-T-R-I-X. And we've heard that suffix a lot of times attached to some of these different words, coadjutrix, mediatrix, and so forth. And this word viatrix, you might say, well, that's a new word. And in fact, I would say it was a new word for me in relationship to Mary. I hadn't necessarily heard that word used before, but from context and simply knowing what via means in Latin, I could kind of make an understanding of it. The word viatrix really means a road by which something comes to us. And so... When we talk about Mary as the viatrix, well, really, she is the path through which salvation has come to us. She is the person through whom Jesus, through the incarnation, will be born, and so she is this viatrix. It's to travel from. A few other things worthy of note here in our reading today, Mary is again called mother of her creator, and I think we talked about this earlier in the first volume, but just that beautiful hymn of the Alma Redemptoris Mater, it's this antiphon to the Blessed Mother, which says, to the wonderment of nature, you bore your creator. Just a reminder to us that Jesus existed from all eternity, that he created with the Father and the Son. And so now Mary's creator, in the person of the second person, the Blessed Trinity now, will be born of her. And so we can say that she is the mother of her creator because Jesus participated in the very work of redemption. We also hear about these different privileges of Mary, these gifts that she received. And again, just remember that there are singular privileges of Mary that are given to her because of her Immaculate Conception, And then there are these general privileges of the Blessed Mother that she is able to experience because God is choosing to give them to her, but we also can attain similar privileges in our own life. And just lastly, we heard this beautiful line. Sometimes they were noticeable in her most beautiful face, as I will say later on, especially in the third part yet they were not known or perceived by all who conversed with her. So the fact that other people didn't necessarily know all of the ways in which Mary was privileged or blessed, but I thought it was a very wonderful thing to think about. Her most beautiful face. Mary has to be the most beautiful woman that ever existed on earth because of the Immaculate Conception. What is your most favorite image of the Blessed Mother? What is the most beautiful image of Our Lady? Something for us to think about, to marvel, to meditate upon. Maybe in your own mind. Envision the face of the Blessed Mother and realize how beautiful indeed she is. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year I'm reading and reflecting on the mystical city of God. I'm grateful you joined me today, and I hope you'll join me again tomorrow. May God bless you. And Mary pray for you.